Okay, welcome to Failure at 40, Essie. How are you doing today? I'm really well, thank you. Thank you. Perfect. So let's start off with telling our listeners a little bit about you, your passions, what you do, so they can get a feel for who you are. My name is Essie. I'm 41. I'm single. I don't have any children. Um, My passion is fitness. Anybody that knows me knows that I'm about fitness. Um, It's kind of been something I've done from very young, started in athletics. And then when I was at school, if there was a sport to be played, I played it. And I was like sports prefect at secondary school. And so it's kind of like when I tell people about my fitness journey, I always say like fitness is, it's not what I do, it's who I am. It's just part of my life. It always has been, always will be. So, yeah, that's me. And what drives you? What, what, what wakes you up in the morning? What makes you feel fulfilled? Is that, is that still fitness? It is. It is. It is fitness. I think I'm not somebody that likes to sit still. I'm not a sit down, sit still person. So although my day job is a sit down, sit still thing, I'm usually out the door, like before working from home, like if in the office, I would be out the door, five five thirty because for me that's one part of my day but I need to do the rest of my day which is to now go and be active go to the gym do what I need to do get those endorphins going otherwise I don't feel right and I know that's not everybody's thing but it is my thing and that's what I need to make me feel complete when you say you were like sports prefect have you always always been in sport or did you kind of like stop for a bit and then restart Throughout school, I think I, I kind of did sport throughout. So I was always, if there was a team, like I was on an athletics team, I was on the netball team, I was on the hockey team, I was on so many teams, all the way up until university. And I think the time that I had the break was at uni because I was too busy partying and drinking and just being <laughs> wild. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of had a bit of a, a bit of a lull there. And then I came back home and I kind of fell into it again I'd just go to the gym I'd be the girl that did classes I didn't really do much else Um, and then I started to see like the guys in the gym lifting weights and I was like I feel fit but I don't feel strong and I want to be strong like how do I how do I do what they're doing so I think that's when I first started my actual fitness journey to becoming a fitness professional the first qualification I got was an exercise to music instructor so that I could teach classes and then I took it to the next level and then did my level three PT and then became a personal trainer. What role does fitness play in your life today? Oh, at the risk of sounding over dramatic like fitness is 
I think it's genuinely the only time in my life where I can actually say that I feel 100% happy. I feel 100% free. It's a massive anxiety relief for me. Like from someone who struggles a lot with anxiety, I don't feel anxious at all. Like the thoughts or anything that's going on in my head or my thoughts of the day or whatever's going on, it's gone. That hour, an hour and a half, two hours, whatever I'm spending exercising, I don't think about anything. I'm just, for me, it's joy. I know it's hell for others, but it's joy for me. Sorry, did you say an hour and a half? Yeah. She did. No, she said an hour and a half. She did. <laughs> Fully. And she smiled at the end of it. She did. Yeah. She smiled. I've just that's, finished that's just, an hour. That's everything. That's everything that's like involving like stretching, cooling down, like warming up is everything. So... Yeah, from start to finish. But yeah, usually about an hour and a half. Hour and a half, okay. <laughs> yeah. And the smile. I think the smile just says how much joy it brings you. I'm smiling now because I'm still like, I'm not long home from the gym. So my endorphins are still, like, I'm still buzzing from my session, my hour and a half session. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of a coping mechanism as well in lots of ways, not just a... It feels like it's an ally and a friend, but also a coping mechanism. Definitely helped me with lockdown, for sure. Even though gyms have been closed, I've been kind of doing what I can at home. I've got equipment. I've got bits and pieces that I can do stuff with at home. So it's kept me going. It's really, really kind of really, really kept me going and got me through some tough times because, you know, you know, lockdown has been up and down. It's been really tough. It's been really hard. And I've spent a lot of time by myself. So being self-motivated and having something to you know to look forward to and to do every day has definitely it's definitely helped me so you've got quite a strong presence on social media how did that journey come about with social media I feel like I've always tried to just be myself like I know with social media there's a lot of smoke and mirrors there's a lot of fakery there's a lot of not great stuff to be honest but I've always just tried to be myself for me it's not about being popular it's not about numbers it's just me doing my thing being real and if you you know if you vibe with it follow and if you don't that's cool yeah I I try and be myself as much as you know as much as I possibly can and people seem to you know resonate it seems to like resonate with people and people message me and say that they're inspired. So, you know, I'm doing, I'm just being me really. <laughs> what are you doing? What are What exactly do you do? What is the content you put out? I think it's kind of like my thought, like partly my thought process. So there will be fitness stuff, there will be food. And when I say food, I'm not one of those people that I can only eat this and I can own, and I weigh my food. I'm not like that. I'm, I'm very vocal about the fact that I love cake. And part of the reason why I train is because I like food and I like to eat. So as much as I am very controlled with how I eat, like I, I very much enjoy myself as well. And I don't hide that. And it's just about being real. Like with my fitness, there are days where I don't feel like training. I can't be bothered or I have a crap session. So it's not always about, it's not always the shiny finished product. It's about you know, when I'm injured and when I feel down because I can't train, it's all there. You know, it's it's the good, the bad, the ugly, and you've got to keep it real. Late, the more recently also, it's like, especially turning 40, like your body changes. There are things that you could do before that you can't do anymore. I've had a back injury that's, you know, that's put me out, you know, a lot in the last couple of years. And yeah, it's about just showing people that yes you can be this age you can do all of this but also you've got to look after yourself eat right take care of yourself and all that kind of stuff so just keeping it real 
I've got a burning question. What is the best way to get rid of belly fat? You can't target one specific area as, as far as like losing fat from your body. You know, you have to do, it has to be a complete thing and the weight will come off. You can't just like do, so for instance, a lot of people will say, oh, how do you get abs? And it's like, you can't just do sit-ups. A hundred sit-ups is not going to get you abs. There is like a whole a holistic approach. You have to drink enough water, eat right. You have to have enough sleep. You have to do the right kind of exercises. And the same goes for losing fat. You have to kind of forget about the fact that, yes, you might be targeting your belly and you might be wanting that area specifically, but you have to work out as a whole. So as far as fat burning is concerned, like doing HIIT, um, like high intensity interval training, that will burn fat. So you'll do a, a, maybe a 45 minute session and then the, the fat burning process will be going on while you sleep. Um, but also you have to drink enough water, you have to eat right and you have to get enough sleep and it's all a whole thing. You know, you can't just do one little, one bit of it and leave the rest. Isn't it annoying how you just get it in one place though, but you can't lose it in one place? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. And we all have that. Like we all have the area that's the tricky thing. And to be honest, like women naturally our hips, our thighs and our bellies, that's where, you know, that's where we carry the weight because that's what women and that's what, that's what we do. Think less about targeting one area and just do it as a whole. And you'll see, you know, as long as you're consistent, you will see change. Message. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess if we just <clears throat> take you a little bit back to your sort of earlier days, you know, where, like tell us a little bit about where Essie's from originally, your family backgrounds, siblings, etc. So my parents are from Ghana. They came here and then they had my sister. So I'm the youngest. So there's two of us. I have one sister. My sister is a couple of years older than me. And then they have me. We grew up in Kent. So we grew up outside of London. So my dad got made redundant around, I think he was around 50-ish. And he took a job in the Middle East because his background was petrochemical engineering. So basically worked in oil. So he moved to the Middle East when I was 21. And my mum went with him. And so I was left. That was just after I got back from uni. So I finished uni. I went to, Le I went to uni in Leicester. I came back and then I lived in London on my own. My parents were in the Middle East. They stayed in the Middle East for about eight or nine years. Then they retired, moved back home to Ghana. So my parents have kind of done a full cycle and I've kind of just dotted around southeast London, various locations. And what was that like being a 21 year old, just managing your own affairs, parents aren't here? I guess you were doing that at uni anyway. But what was life like for you then? And what were the significant things you remember around those times, I guess, other than parents moving? I think if I'm honest, it was really hard because when you're at uni, uni's just fun and games. It's it's not real life, not really. And I think it's when you come out of uni, that's when you really learn about life. So I feel like my parents left right when I needed them to not leave. It was just bad timing. I was 21. I didn't know anything, you know, and I kind of came out of uni not really knowing what I wanted to do and not really having anyone to guide me because my sister, we had not long got married. So she was, she was kind of like building her own family and doing her own thing. So I just felt like a bit of a loner, a bit of a floater really. And I did find it hard with my parents. I, even now I find it hard with my parents being far away. Did you feel lost? Very, very lost. 
And I didn't realize at the time how lost I felt until I got older and then I went to therapy and then I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> what do you feel anchored you around that? Or, or was there an anchor or was there, a, I mean, other than your sister who was obviously around but not able to be in the picture, but was there something that kind of gave you a little bit of grounding during that, in your 20s, I guess? I think that's probably where I found my own strength and realized how much, how resilient I am as a person. Because at the time, I didn't realise what a big deal it was for my parents to just leave like that. And I went through life. I kind of rolled through it by myself, to be honest. I mean, there were people around. I had friends and stuff. But I'm quite alone. Like, am I alone? Yeah, I'm quite a, like, I'm I'm a solo person. I just like to roll solo and just do my thing. So I learned a lot. I made a lot of mistakes. And I'm resilient. I know that now. But, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, looking back, I now realise like how resilient I am. Do you think that you are a loner or you were forced to be a loner? I think I've always been a loner. I like my my own company. I'm quite comfortable being on my own. Since you were young? Yeah, I've always been like that. I used to get told off by my mum. She used to tell me I was rude, but that's typical. (laughs) (laughs) That's like a typical typical African parent, isn't it? You know, if they were like everyone was playing and stuff, I would always drift off and be on my own, just chilling. And my mum used to get so angry with me. Is there anything that stood out for you during those in your 20s or 30s, whether it be relationships or, you know, anything significant that kind of really kind of thought that shaped me? Yeah, I think relationships, I think the relationships that I had in my 20s, I definitely looking back now, and this is also something that was highlighted when I went to therapy, I think where my parents left and because it was really my dad's decision to leave, I became quite anxious when people like when people leave, especially when men leave. So when it came to relationships, if I could see that it wasn't going well before I got to the stage where I thought they were going to leave because I didn't want that feeling again, the same way that my parents and my dad let my mum and dad left, I would just cut it dead because that was my defense mechanism, that was my coping mechanism. And I didn't realize I did that until much, much later. Um, but I did it to I did it to protect myself because it it is it's quite it is t- quite traumatic like being left like it's I guess you can call it feeling abandoned. I don't think that was not the intention, but that is kind of how it felt. So the idea of feeling abandoned in any kind of relationship, I always kind of will cut it dead first so that I don't. So I feel like I've had. It doesn't mean I'm not hurt by it, but. I'm like, okay, so it didn't call, it didn't catch me off guard. I'm not blindsided like I was yeah. before. The element of control or protection, you're able to protect yourself. Yeah. And I guess self-preservation is something that we all want, you know, to ensure that we, we do. Yeah, of course. In lots of ways. And I guess did, what, at what point did that affect your relationships and were you able to acknowledge it after counselling and change it? I didn't have many. I think there were like two main relationships during my 20s, really. And I can't remember what triggered this whole feeling of like really, really, really bad anxiety. But I got to the stage where I knew something wasn't right and I knew that I needed to get help. So once I started going to therapy and talking through stuff, therapy is like it takes you to places you might think that you're going to go and talk about one, two, three, and they'll be telling you things like X, W, A. And you're like, what? Totally. Didn't even, you know, and then totally. you put, and then things start to make sense. And that, 
I remember that session that I went to where we spoke about relationships and tied it back to, you know, feeling like I was abandoned. And I probably, it took me about a week to process it. So I remember just kind of like leaving it and not really having any kind of reaction or any kind of, or releasing any kind of emotion. And then maybe about almost a week later, that's when it really, really hit me. And then it really started to make a lot of stuff make sense and fall into place. I guess this whole idea of separation and loss, you know, something that lives, you know, in all of us and even just forms of bereavement, you know, you, you know, you liken it to very similar things when somebody's no longer there or not in reach in the same way. My parents have been in my life, my whole life, you know, up until the age of, okay, going to uni was different because it was a choice to go away, but your parents are still there for you. So all of a sudden they just weren't there, even though they were there, but it was, they were far away and I, I just wasn't ready for it, not at all. When you left uni, how long was the gap between you leaving and them leaving? I think by the time I came back from uni, my dad had already gone and my mum was still here. And then my mum was here for, I think, a matter of months. And then eventually she left, she finished her, uh, she finished working and then she went to join my dad. I basically came out of uni, came home and then only had one parent around for a few months and then they were both gone. At that point, did you think to yourself like, oh, you know, did you have a plan for your life? I know coming from like a Caribbean background and I have like my partners from and a lot of friends are from an African background. It's very much like a plan of how you want to do things or expected to do things. So did you have like a plan like of how your life was going to go? In my head, I did. I honestly thought that I will find a job. I'll meet someone and I'll be married by a specific age and have kids and that will be it. And that's probably way too idealistic, but that's, that's kind of what my plan was, was to just get a job and meet someone and start a family because I have, you know, I have one sister and she, that's what she did. She had met someone, got married. And so I, and that's what my mum did. So that's what I've grown up seeing. So that's what I thought I would do what point did you feel like this is not going to plan or did you feel like it wasn't going to plan after the t- like the two relationships that I was in when neither of them worked out and just I would spend like in between the relationship I spent a long time like single so I'm not I'm not like a serial relationship jumper I'm just one of those people that needs to take stock so I spent a lot of time on my own and and a lot of time thinking about what was going on and why it wasn't working out and and whatnot and although I I think I my mistake with the relationships was spending too much time in them I should have walked away a lot sooner when I knew they weren't right but I learned that over time yeah that's that's the journey with that I think I know like you talk a lot about self-love at that was that the process was that after those relationships or was that while you were going through those relationships entering that journey I think after I think after, because if I look back, I think, did I really love myself in those relationships? And honestly, hand on heart, the answer is no. Did you think at any point that you were maybe enduring some of those relationships because you had this idea that actually I will be similar to maybe my mum and my sister and this is going to be the process? I mean, you grow up, we are products of our environment, aren't we? So I grew up seeing my mum, she had us. And she was with my dad and my mum and dad are still together now. So I saw that. And then I saw my sister get married, have children. And then there was me. 
And when it started to not, when I was, didn't seem to be following the same path and I was like, oh, okay, something's wrong. And then I also kind of started to withdraw a little bit. I felt like the odd one out. Um, and I think, again, it goes back to these coping mechanisms and these defense mechanisms. Again, my thing is to withdraw when I feel like I can't bring anything to the table. That's how I, this was at a point where the self-love was not there. Were you training at that time? In the first relationship, not properly, no. The second relationship, I think it was training that kept us together because we both trained. So, and that kind of masked the fact that he wasn't the right person. We stayed together for that reason. Um, training sense was great, but relationship and, and life sense, not so great. Can you take us to like when you started therapy? What age were you when you started therapy? I find, I want, I want to kind of dig into that. 37 maybe yeah what was the thing that made you think I wanted to do this I just didn't feel right and now I know that it's like I'm such an I can be a very very anxious person but my anxiety can get so bad to the point where I feel quite like incapacitated like I can't do anything and I knew something wasn't right and I knew that I needed help and I just thought let me, and I thought about therapy a lot. And then I just thought, no, I'm not going to do it. Or I can't afford it. Or, you know, there's always reasons. There's so many, like, it's still a bit of a taboo. Um, there's still a bit of a stigma attached to going for therapy. But one day I was just like, no, just do it. And I found somewhere, found somewhere I could afford. And that was the, that was definitely the, the start of a, a breakthrough for me. I definitely turned a corner when I started therapy. And when did the anxiety sort of start? When I look back, I think the, the anxiety has always been there. I've always been an anxious person and seen myself in specific situations and thought, now that I know myself, I'm like, I don't even know why I did that. You know, I don't know why I took that job and put myself in that environment. Or I don't know why I rolled with that person because that doesn't do me any favours. It doesn't work for me. So therapy has made me, it's made me learn a lot about myself. And I'm still very much an anxious person. I know if you see my social, look at my social media, people will probably not believe me, but that's because fitness makes me feel safe. Like it makes me feel happy. It makes me feel calm. All those things that are whirling around in my head, they're just not there, but the rest of the time they are, even now. I was thinking just a little bit about the, what you were describing about wanting, feeling like you were a little bit like a loner, but quite comfortable with that now as an adult. You kind of know actually that maybe your comfort zone to a degree. But I'm wondering about previous to that with the anxiety, was there this need to fit in or, and actually that wasn't your, your, your circle or, your, or the place where you needed to be? I think I was forcing it. I was forcing my, trying to force myself into places and circles and into situations where I didn't really have any business being, but because I wanted to kind of, you know, do the things that society says I should do, my family says I should do, everybody else says I should do, and to appear like everybody else, I was forcing myself into, into situations that just didn't work for me. When did that penny drop? I think after I after therapy, like after I'd done it for a couple of months, I was like, yeah, those things, they're not right for you. Like, why are you even like, why are you even doing that? You know, there are certain things that I, I have to by force. Like, for instance, like being in an office environment makes me feel very stressed. Just being around lots of people at once and all that mix up energy for me is too much. 
and I know that about myself now so I know what to do to protect myself but you know then I had no idea so it's about it was about learning about myself and not putting myself into you know in, into situations where I feel like I feel distressed which isn't good. You mentioned something I think which is quite important, which is about different energies and transference and realising sometimes potentially it's not just how you feel, but other people transferring their energy onto you. And I think that's quite a skilled kind of place to be and be able to recognise that. Yeah, I think during the time spent alone, it was, I did a lot of reading as well. And I learned, I started reading about people who were like highly empathetic and people that are empaths and the more I read, I was like, oh, this sounds like me. And, you know, like feeling like you feel drained after you've been in, a, like if you go to an event and there's lots of people and then the next day I would literally feel like I need to sleep all day. So you were just talking about, you know, sort of this kind of empath energy and understanding a little bit more about that. What it means even for people who might not understand what it is. So with the empath, I think, again, it was another breakthrough moment in life because, you know, when things you realise something and then a lot of stuff makes sense. So basically an empath is someone basically who has empathy and is very empathetic. And I feel people like I can feel people's energy around me. So I can take, I can really take to people or I can really not take to people. And people have sometimes when they meet me, they think "Mm, she's a bit, you know, but it's not, I'm not like people think sometimes I might be rude or standoffish, but it's not that I'm just literally kind of like, sensing people's vibes because when it's not like that I, f- I feel it in really different ways and sometimes it's quite uncomfortable and I just can't be around someone and again it's like when there's a massive collection of energy as well I feel very drained by it like I need to take like a day or two days to like just be by myself so I can kind of like recharge my batteries because I just feel drained and just learning about that and reading about empaths and the things that work for empaths and things that don't I was like okay again now this makes a lot of stuff make sense meaning I'm not going to put myself in situations where I know it's not going to be good for me in the sense where you can't help it then at least you know why you feel that way and then you can give yourself what you need so if you are around a lot of people like I really struggle with funerals because everybody feels grief and when I go to a funeral I probably won't see you for like two days, two, three days afterwards, because I just feel feel awful. It can make you feel quite ill sometimes, just that overwhelming sense of other people's energy. You kind of have to take time for yourself and just, just literally recharge. Do you feel like being an empath is connected to the anxiety? Definitely. They come together? I think so, because for instance, back in the day when I didn't really know what you know, I didn't really know that how anxious I could get and didn't really know about being empathetic. When you're just putting yourself in these situations and not realizing, you feel terrible. Like I felt terrible. In Like there was a job I went, I worked for an estate agent and I worked in their head office and there were just lots of people. There was lots of noise. Everyone was shouting. And every day I felt sick. I felt ill. I felt physically like I felt physical pain being there. And I didn't understand why. And being there, the anxiety for me was it was ridiculous because I was just in the wrong place. And then not giving myself time to recharge. I was just going back day after day after day. So by Friday, and so over the weekends, I would feel ill. And I, I was like, what is wrong with me? 
in the end, I left because I, I just felt like the job wasn't right for me. But knowing what I know now, I'm like, I can't even believe I lasted that long in that environment as someone who is, you know, if you're ex- if you're an extrovert, you'd probably love it there. But I'm very introverted. I am I'm very anxious and and I'm an empath. And so that was the worst place I could ever be. I kind of need more because my daughter is like literally exactly everything you describe is mm-hmm. my daughter. Really? And yeah, like everything she she will like like she'll be like, okay, guys, do not call me, just send mm-hmm. me a voice note. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, don't call me, send me a voice note. And she if she has her friends around, she will have them one at a time or two at a time. Mm-hmm. She will not have like, like her six main friends around at the same time. And if she does, it has to be a short period of time. Like she's, yeah, it's, she, she will actually walk them to the door. Like she's. <laughs> <laughs> it's been nice, but come, come. Yeah. <laughs> she will. She'll be like, okay, it's time for you guys to go. But she's quite confident in how she delivers it. Um, you have she, to be. she knows herself quite well. Mm-hmm. But I mm-hmm. really struggled with it in the beginning because I didn't really understand. Yeah. Like, why are you in bed? Like, you know, I'm just so tired. I'm, like, there's just too many people. Like, you know. You know, like as a Caribbean people, I don't know, African people probably do it as well. You have loads of people around all the time. They are not, yeah. They And you have to be in the mix, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and everything is loud and everything is and just... And she's just like, okay, what time is this finishing, mum? Mm-hmm. <laughs> when is everyone going home? Yeah, You know, she really struggles. So it's kind of, I find it really interesting as well, like to kind of hear, like a lot of the time she talks about social anxiety. And I'm like, mm, yeah, but you get so tired, like... She literally will be so tired when she's in a lot of space. Like, it's draining. Yeah. And it's, it's the voice notes for me. It's when she says, like, you know, just can you just send me a voice note rather than call me? And I'm like, yeah. we live in the same house. Why would I be sending you a voice note? But I, but I totally understand. I have sent somebody a 20-minute voice note and then another 15-minute voice note afterwards just because I wanted no interruptions. And I just wanted to, it was like, that's a phone call. <laughs> <laughs> And then I just realised, you know, because I mean, I definitely have degrees of it as well. Like, even though I'm not an introvert per se, definitely I can be extrovert, but I definitely need times of please don't talk to me for a week. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I can get onto it and give you a bit and then I'm back out again. And I think your people, like your circle of people, once you're confident enough to tell them that's how I am, they will understand. So when I'm having my moments where... I don't want to talk. I just can't talk to people, especially if I've been at work. Like all I do is talk if I don't want to and I just don't get back to people or I'm just quiet for a couple of days. People, they know now with me, they just know that's Essie doing her thing. She needs to she needs time to recharge. She just needs to just not be around. And when I come back, it's back to normal and it's fine. Do you think you were able to identify your character and who you are so sort of definitively if you had maybe I guess a partner around all the time or children around or what it seems to me like you've got quite a a cocoon around you in terms of this is my life this is how it works for me and you've learned a lot about yourself because of that space yeah I think I've learned the most about myself in the in those quiet times because I think when you're around people whether that's in a relationship or you've got children you're in that giving mode so you're you're giving your energy and you're you're doing whatever they need to you know especially with children for instance like children depend on you so it you kind of put yourself last naturally uh, and in relationships if you're trying to like make it work and you're trying to make the relationship 
do what it's not necessarily doing and you're really trying to you're trying to force it you're not you're not being yourself and you're not being true to yourself so you need time for even if you are in a relationship or you are a parent you still need you time it's so important you need you know mummy needs mummy time you know if you you're in a relationship you st- I, I don't want to be with you I don't want to be around you all the time you get on my nerves and I'll probably get on your nerves we need to go away do our own thing and then we can come together so I feel like that alone time whether you're single in a relationship or whatever your situation is I think it's so needed and a lot of people can't do it they feel very uncomfortable in there, you know, when they have to sit down and sit still. I think lockdown was a was a nightmare for some people because for the first time in our lives, everybody had to sit down and face their front. And I was okay with it, but I know a lot of people were not. What do you think about the idea that maybe not having children or being married by 40, 45, 50? What are your views on that? And, and where do they come from? Years ago... I would have said, oh, uh, I've, I failed because I was just literally going on what society says. Society annoys me because society likes everything to be neatly labelled, pigeonholed and, you know, put in a specific package so that it's palatable and comfortable for everybody. Who, who do we call, who are we thinking of society? Well, I don't know who society is, but whoever they are, I don't rate them because some of the things things that they say, I'm like, rubbish, rubbish. For a woman, for me, for example, to feel like, because I'm 41, I'm not married. I don't live in a massive house. I don't drive a nice car. I don't have any children. Does that make me a failure? And if you'd asked me that like 10 years ago, I would have probably said, yeah, yeah, I think it does. But if you ask me today, absolutely not. You know, so whoever society is, you know, or whoever, you know, makes these kind of labels. Yeah, exactly. No ratings. Not for me anyway. Definitely not. And how outrageous for someone other than yourself to think that they have the, the right to define how your life should look at any age. I, I, I think in terms of being the master of our own destinies, uh, we should also get to choose what life looks like for us and what we're comfortable with. What did you think 40 would look like? I mean... Back then, I thought 40, I would have all the things that I just said that I don't actually have. I thought I would have had all of those things. I thought that I would be married. I thought that I would have children and I'd be living a very, you know, what as society says, a very, you know, traditional life. And also, I guess that's because that's what I grew up seeing as well. At some points, I thought that I was a failure to my family as well. There was a point in time where they would always be like, oh, you need to meet someone. When are you going to settle down? This, that, this, that. I guess now they don't say anything, whether that's because they've just given up or whether that's because they're just happy with me being me doing what I'm doing. I don't really know, because when you bring culture and tradition into it, it gets a bit gets a bit tricky. But I just do me and I do me so with such vim I do me and that's just how it is and nobody really says anything about it. How amazing is it to see you happy rather than potentially being in a relationship and being unhappy and I'm sure the one is for you to be happy in your own skin whether you're in something or not. Yeah I mean ideally would I like to be in a relationship yeah because I think I'm actually a relationship person I like being in relationships but I like I would like to be in a good relationship and there is a difference between 
you know, the right relationship and a good relationship to just any relationship. And I feel like being in the wrong situation is definitely way more stressful than being on your own and feeling stressed about that. If I had to choose between the two, then I know which one I would choose. And I mean, do you do you feel like there's anything along your journey that you could have maybe done differently that you would have liked to have done differently? Do you mean in terms of rela- like in terms of relationships? In, in absolutely anything. Like I know there were some times where you said you weren't really doing your fitness much. Would you have liked to have been stronger on that from earlier? Two hundred percent. Yes, I think when I was young. So when I was at secondary school. I did. I used to run for my school and I did athletics and I was at a track meet and I got scouted and I was 11, I think, 10 or 11. It's quite young. So maybe in my early teens and I was invited to like go to a track meet and it was quite far away. And my parents, they just weren't here for it. They were like, no, no, you have to go to university, do your studies and da, 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 da. So I, I wish looking back that I had fought harder for what it is that I genuinely believe I was put on this earth to do because although I didn't go down that route it's never left me like that burning urge to do fitness like in the end I ended up doing a a fitness qualification so that I had my hand in it somehow but really and truly like I should have been running I should have been an athlete I should have been doing that and you know looking back I wish I wish I had fought harder but you know, you're not always in the position to do that, not when you're young as well. Okay, I'm thinking that I really want to ask you for tips, but I know exactly what you're going to say to me. (laughs) And I just feel like, is it possible that you just meet me at the gym and just (laughs) do everything for me? Because, I mean, I know what you're going to say. And I've spent the last two weeks just like in pain every day. Like there's no day where my body doesn't ache. But is there like some special thing that you can do that will help me to get to my desired goal without pain? No. No pain, no pain. Exactly. (laughs) No pain, no pain. And for someone that's been, you know, I've been doing this for a minute. I'm usually in some sort of pain. Like one of the things I love about fitness is that, you know, you're (laughs) you're like, no, I'm not here for it. But the thing is, you never, ever stop growing or you never stop learning or pushing yourself because once you plateau and you know the thing that you so let's take push-ups for instance you can't do a single push-up and then you you learn how to do them on your knees and then you end up being able to do one then you can do five and then eventually you're like banging out 10 15 push-ups but eventually that will become easy and you'll be able to just do that and then you won't get any benefit from it anymore so you then have to push yourself to do 30 50 100 and you have to keep going because with fitness you you plateau you know it's it's a term where you plateau and when you plateau you have to do something else to shock your body and do something different and once you start doing something different you'll you'll go through that whole cycle of pain all over again and it just shows that it's working okay so you know like when you as a woman I mean I guess guys do it as well but like you go through your so you do this whole fitness plan and then your weight stops dropping and you stop seeing changes that means you have to do something different yeah because your body has adapted our bodies are smart like if you go and do the same thing every time you will event you'll get results but eventually the results will stop so if you keep doing the same thing you'll get the same result 
And if you want to continue on your journey, then you have to switch it up so that your body is being, your muscles are being used in a different way, whether that be doing a different exercise or switching up the order that you do everything in, because our bodies, they adapt very quickly and very easily. Um, so they're like, yeah, Monday, I know what we're doing. I know this. Yeah, 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 we'll do it, whatever. But if you suddenly decide, yeah, Monday, but we're going to do something else, then your body's like, Ooh, oh, okay. Oh, I'm going to have to use different muscles. And that's, that is how you, that is how you progress. And that is how you grow, basically. No, that sounds like to me, when you've been doing the same dead position for a long time, and <laughs> one day you get switched up and you're you like, have to switch oh, it up. And oh, then you're like, okay, okay. yeah. Oh, ah, is good. You've been talking to. You've <laughs> <laughs> been talking to. Age is good. Indeed. Yeah. I guess what I wanted to ask you is about the self-love. And how that's become intertwined now in your journey. Because it sounds to me like that's gotten a stronger theme and start to come through as you've been getting older. Definitely. I think I've kind of, I think because I've gone on this journey with myself and I kind of know myself and I know the things that are good for me and what not, what's not good for me. I've got to a point where it's like, this is me and I love me. You know, I love, I'm not, am I perfect? Absolutely not. But this is me. And I've got a circle of, I've got a great circle of friends who, who love me for who I am and I love them for who they are. And I feel this sense of peace and a sense of calm because I'm not trying to, it's like trying to, they say like trying to force a square peg into a round hole. And the thing is, when you do that, you're just stressing your own life by doing things like that. And it gets to a point where you're like, I don't want to do that anymore. I Let me just accept the fact that I can't be around lots of people. So what? So just don't do it. There are going to be people that don't understand that, but they're not your people. And I'm one of those people that, you know, if you're not my people, you're not my people. It's fine. And I think this whole idea and this movement where women are trying to be something or someone so that they seem like they're more attractive to men, so that therefore by certain ages, they're not in positions where they might be seen by their peers or their families as not having achieved because they haven't got a man. So therefore they're doing a lot of things that feel uncomfortable to them, like wearing girdles <laughs> that you can't breathe in stressing your own you know, internal organs or just Why? do a lot of things to yourself so that you can look aesthetically pleasing when actually you just want to be yourself you know you want to I remember Sean used to say look I love my trainers yeah I'll be wearing my trainers you know I bring them everywhere comfortable happy it's you you know and why should you have to be anything else other than what you want to be? And I think a lot of women are put in positions where we're not being our authentic selves. And I just wondered from your perspective, what you think we could be doing to kind of just find ourselves a little bit more, loving ourselves a little bit more. I think you need to be fearless with it. Like you really do need to be fearless because you'll find that the more that you find yourself you will the people that are not really meant to be around you and the people that are not okay with the way that you are as a person they start to kick up a fuss and you have it and I feel like at that point you have a choice either you do the square peg round hole thing again or you let those people go and you just elevate and just continue being your authentic self because there is nothing more powerful than being your authentic self. And I think to myself, look, I'm going to be myself and eventually someone's going to see me and they'll, they'll want to rock with me as I am. If you don't want to, that's fine. It's not, you know, for me, it's not a big deal. And you really have to be fearless because 
there's always that sense of urgency to be with around people or be you know and I get that sometimes because I think oh I don't want to be on my own forever like who does but I won't come like I'm not going to compromise who I am as a person I'm just not going to do it because you're you're just on a path to being making yourself unhappy and what is the point there's no point and quite often you know we're compromising not for ourselves for other people in so many ways and and Often that achieves you nothing even, you know. They're not that gets you nowhere because those kind of people, you might think they're your people and then one day something happens and they do something and you're like, who, what, you know, no. Who, who are even you? are you? Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, who even are you? And I've had that, I've had, I've had those moments and I'm just like, no, 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 we're not doing this. We're just not, like, we're just not. I think I've become quite ruthless. I know people know me for just being quite no nonsense with it, just purely because I want, like, I enjoy peace. I don't enjoy, I don't enjoy drama. I don't enjoy any of those things. I know some people actually, they thrive on it, but that's not me. So if that's you, I'm going to have to leave you over there. I'll be over here just being peaceful. And if you think peaceful is boring, that's a you problem, not a me problem, because I'm loving it. Peaceful is where the real power is at, I think. It's I think where it's at. Where the real power is in, in peace. Uh, and I think also there's something about turning 40 and getting to 40 where you, as Sham says, there's no Fs given. You can't find the F anywhere you look. You're just... There's none. None. It is me. And if you've got an issue with it, take it up with someone who gives a, you know, and... Because uh, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do not. They get up with someone else. And I think your journey really personifies that and being at peace with the journey. Um, I think it's quite easy to become bogged down with the thoughts of people around you, family, friends, society, work, etc. You know, if you have one child, they're like, when are you having the next one? You know, if somebody they want to know when you're getting married, there's always something else that you haven't quite done that they think you need to do. And I wonder if that's just because people just don't have nothing to say. They've got nothing to conversate on. So, or there's an expectation. And I think people just follow this idea of what should be, like what the masses say we should be doing. The first thing I, I when I, when you said that you didn't have children, I wanted to be like, oh my God, really? <laughs> have kids. Oh, lucky. <laughs> like, you know, I'm excited. Like, me, I'm like, I have them. So I know, like, you know, I idolize this idea of freedom in a way that, I won't experience until I'm 50. And even then. No, probably not even then. Probably not. They'll be giving me their grandkids. <laughs> Listen, to go to the corner shop without asking somebody, could you just um, <laughs> could you just keep an eye on? Now that I'm 40, I mean, on the journey to 40, just like you said, I kind of feel like people start, you start to see that people are not really, you move away from people. And I was quite happy to go, okay, see you later. Bye. See you in another lifetime. Like I was quite happy to do that. It's fun, <laughs> you know, toodles, like we out. have a great life. Um, and I was okay to do that. And I just kind of found that when I got to 40, it was just like, I was just kind of really open to welcoming everybody's journey in a different way um, and everybody's experiences in a different way. And as much as I was very open to it before, I don't know what happened at 40. It just was... I just was well, I just found everybody's story and everybody's journey really interesting. And I kind of like see so many single women 
who don't have kids or single women who have kids but are older kids just feel this need to be drawn to the romanticized idea of a relationship. And I think it's really beautiful, actually, when as a woman, you kind of found yourself and know yourself so well that you're comfortable as a single woman. Because if you are in a, if you do have a relationship or you don't, it's irrelevant to the, the love that you have for self. It's so true. It's so, so true. And do you know what? Even looking back over lockdown, as hard as I have found lockdown at times, but I still feel like the main thing I've done during lockdown is probably elevate even more because I've been on my own and I've just been like doing my own thing and doing the things that make me happy. You know, I've been exercising, I've been teaching myself how to play the piano, I've been doing, and because I'm so busy doing all the things and sometimes I'm not doing anything. Oh my gosh, you're my daughter. She's my daughter. She's actually my daughter. Oh, you need to play the piano as well. <laughs> yeah. I can't cope. <laughs> well, I used to play when I was younger, and then I was like, now's probably a good time to buy a Where's keyboard. Where's she? I'm going to get her to follow you on social media. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and you become so. Bu- I've been so busy doing all of those things, like reading books, just chilling, and when I need to chill, that it's like. I'm just kind of like in this Zen state almost of like, I'm like, <laughs> just doing me. <laughs> and I don't really have time to worry about, you know what? I feel like when you, when you elevate like that, eventually somebody will be drawn to you because they'll be like, Oh, she's cool. Like, I like her vibe. Like I want some of that. And they see the, so, light. Yeah. See the light and be like, that's my light right there. Yeah. And until, you know, and until that person comes along and they're the right person, I'll just keep, doing things all of those things all of the good things that are good for me um and I feel quite calm about it you know I never used to but I do now and I think that's a good thing and I guess that's where you know that the superpower almost is in being able to be comfortable in yourself people can approach you and you'd be like actually you're not for me so no thank yeah, you yeah it's a no from me and I'm really good at that and <laughs> that I'm really good at that I'm like Mm-mm. because I'm so in tune with myself that something inside is like, Essie, no, 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 no. You know, and we have to politely, respectfully, we need to keep it moving because nothing good is going to come out of this situation. So, yeah, I think I'm in a, yeah, I'm in a very calm and a good place, really. What tips would you give to, to younger Essie? I know you kind of mentioned you would have gone, you would have pushed harder on some things, but looking back on reflection... Definitely like fight for the things that are right for you and for the things that make you, you. And it's okay to be different because a lot of things that I take comfort in or take pleasure in, they're not other people's things. And I think it's scary sometimes because you don't want to be seen as an outsider or different. I just go along with things and I wish with certain things I hadn't done that. And I just... You know, I just kind of been like, well, no, this is me and this is what I enjoy. So, yeah, definitely fight for the things that, you know, that you know are right for you. And it is OK to be different. Thank you, Essie. Oh, thank you. No, it's been great. That has been so nice. And the time has gone so quick, Essie. <laughs> just as we started warming you up. you just Time flies when you're having fun. And I've been having fun. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us, where can we find you on social media? Where can our, our listeners find you? 
Um, so I am on Instagram. My handle is SE Loves Fitness, all one word. And Insta is really the only platform I'm on because I find TikTok way too stressful. And I think I'm too old for TikTok, even though we should, we all say, like, oh, we're 40s, not old. But TikTok gives me a headache. I have a TikTok, but I don't use it. So yeah, SE Loves Fitness on Instagram. Thank you so, Thank you so much. much. Failure at 40. 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 Failure at 40.